Stuff done, cast, cast. I'm Dave, the mayor of New York City. The only city in the whole wide world has a podcast, and the only person listening to it is a dog walker in Queens named Dave. If this is your first time listening, thank you for checking this out, and I hope you like it. I'd recommend listening to this series in order from the beginning, but if you want to listen to this first, who am I to tell you otherwise? Today, I'm talking about the 13th episode of Mayor Eric Adams' podcast, the Get Stuff Done cast, titled S1E13, Defending Democracy, Showing Up and Engaging with the American Voter, released July 31st, 2023. My sincere apologies if the heat comes on during this recording. Uh, It is that time of year in New York, and I have radiators, so you might hear some hissing or stuff like that in the background. Adams is interviewing Representative Stephen Horsford, a member of the House of Representatives from Nevada, and the mayor of Enfield, North Carolina, Mondale Robinson. Adams says he met Horsford by chance when a friend of his told him to give Horsford a call, which is not what the term by chance is typically used to communicate. Adams asks his usual vague, tell me everything that's ever happened to bring you to this point opener, and Horsford obliges, telling him about his youth, including the tragic loss of his father in a shooting when Horsford was only 19. Quote, That's a powerful snippet, says the mayor extremely normally. Horsford is now the chair of the Congressional Black Caucus in the House of Representatives. He's working hard on the issues, and he knows the mayor is also working hard on the issues. Everyone agrees everyone's working on the issues. The mayor says we need to dam every river that leads to gun violence. For example, he says, 30% of the prison population has dyslexia, so if we screen for it and prevent it, we can dam that river. Screening for dyslexia doesn't prevent it. I mean, the mayor is himself dyslexic. He must know that. It may help people get care if there's resources for their care, but the mayor is cutting most services. Also, this sort of implies that dyslexia causes people to become violent. Anyway, Horsford talks about how he ran a large culinary jobs program before entering public service, and the mayor says he knows how important jobs are, and he says he wants his team to meet with Horsford and talk about his job training efforts so that they can learn from him, and Horsford agrees. Interview evidently over, and it seems like it could have been an email. Music plays, and we switch over to the other interview with Mayor Robinson from Enfield, North Carolina, which Wikipedia tells me is a town of about 1,900 residents in the north of the state. Adams also asks for Robinson's, quote, trajectory to politics. Robinson says that being born black in America, he didn't have a choice but to be political. He talks about growing up poor and how the criminal justice system locked his father into poverty by saddling him with a felony. His town is 90% black and poor. Outhouses were widely in use until the 90s, despite being right down the road from Raleigh. He went into the Marines, didn't find it was a place for social change. He went home and ran a progressive campaign for mayor endorsing universal basic income. 
Robinson tells Adams that Enfield is the eighth poorest town in the country. Adams responds that this is why storytelling is so important. Well, all right then. Robinson and Adams talk about the importance of encouraging black men to vote, which Robinson has created an organization to work on. They don't really talk about the the specifics of the program that Robinson created, and if they said its name, I missed it. They don't talk about its metrics of success, how many people it's reached, etc. But it's certainly important. It'd just be nice to know what they're doing and how, what they need. Perhaps I can, how I can help or donate, but, you know, this is an Eric Adams podcast, so that's not on the offing. Adams says the Congressional Black Caucus is also working on this, and Horsford responds that they are, meaning he's just been sort of sitting here quietly for the last five minutes. I assumed that these were two different interviews, since otherwise Adams would have had interviewed one guy while making the other sit there doing nothing before reversing roles. Uh, but apparently that's exactly what he did. And, and I suppose to be fair, I'm the fool for forgetting that Eric Adams will never do something normally. Horace Ford says that our democracy is under attack, but that we, the people, have the power. And he gives a website we can check out, democracyforthepeople.org. It's not in the show notes of Adams's podcast, but fear not, I went and took a look and with the understanding that this was recorded in July and I viewed the website in November... The organizing toolkit can't be downloaded, and the events listed for the site all took place in July and August. Hmm. The interviewees both make good points, and I and I don't doubt their commitment to this cause. And it's one I find very compelling and important. Mayor Robinson, in particular, talks about the specific ways he wants to help. Job trainings that he's doing with people with felony convictions to get them good jobs and end-of-life care, for example. They want to expand this program to NYC and are hoping the mayor will help. The thing I'm struggling with is that this feels like there's a lot of talking, particularly from Adams, about talking. Like saying that they need to meet people where they are and talk about why they're not voting and give them a reason to vote, but not saying what that reason is. Adams keeps talking about the need to convince people to vote, but doesn't really seem to understand that, yes, there are absolutely intentional systemic barriers that prevent people, particularly black people, from voting. And there are also many people who are simply disengaged from voting, who don't believe it does anything to help them. When talking about this latter group, Adams seems to miss that the people who aren't voting by choice may not be voting because of the policies Adams promotes. What I mean is, there's three guys in this room. Adams, a centrist, possibly center-right, former cop, former Republican, mayor of a huge city. You know, we've talked about him a bit here and there. Then there's Horsford, a member of the House of Representatives, whose district includes parts of Vegas. He votes with the Democratic Party 100% of the time in the House, but hasn't talked at all about what he'd like to see the party do next. The House is quite possibly the most dysfunctional it has been since prior to the Civil War, and seems incapable of passing serious legislation. Horsford doesn't currently represent the party in control of that body because the Democratic Party badly flubbed its efforts to hold the House despite historic turnout for the incumbent's party in the 22 midterms. And, oh, also, Horsford, while married, had an affair with a 21-year-old intern of Harry Reid's when he was 36. 
you know, I, I can't say if that's what ended his marriage, but he's not married anymore. And then we have Robinson, the mayor of the eighth poorest town in the, in the country, who ran as a progressive and absolutely trounced, completely dog-walked his competition, running on a platform that included universal basic income. Only one of them actually articulates a position that most people would find exciting and successfully turned out a landslide. But he's, he's from a struggling town of 1,900 people. It's not like most people in the country will ever have the opportunity to vote for someone running on his platform unless the other two guys in the room and people like them start advocating it. So what's supposed to excite voters? What are these guys doing to save our democracy? Aside from the fact that they agree it's under attack and that the people have the power to protect it, have they identified the danger? For what do they want the people to vote if not that, then what do they want the people to vote against? Quote, A lot of people make a lot of paper with a downstream mindset pulling people out of the river, says Adams. He says they should meet people where they are. I'm, I, I think I understand what he's trying to say. His metaphor doesn't make a ton of sense since once people are in a river, pulling them out is how you meet them where they are. But I, I take his point that politicians often fail to meet voters where they are and fail to convince them to vote. Also around this point, the mayor says that people tell him all the time that his life story can't be true. And honestly, if everyone's calling you a liar, maybe it's time, it's time to look inward and figure out why they might be doing that. It's here that Robinson makes some more interesting points, ones that might actually excite voters. When black people say they want public safety, he says, they typically mean something different than white people who say, who say it wanting more cops and more policing of black people. But black people, when they say it, are saying they want to be policed the way white people are, and that requires less cops. Adams, who spends a lot of time telling white New Yorkers how many more cops he's going to get them, laughs nervously and moves the conversation along by saying he's been told, ha-ha, that racism is over, right? How ridiculous. Don't we all want to talk about how silly that is and stop talking about cops going away? Robinson's counters by saying as soon as the town voted to take it down, he got a tractor driver and had him knock down the Confederate statue in his town himself. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the mayor then basically says, well, good podcast, everyone. And that's more or less it. I don't know, man. Is there something to vote for here? Something to energize people to turn out? These guys have all won elections, but as a member of the House, a mayor of a city, and a mayor of a, t of a tiny town, as a practical matter, they've all done so more or less locally. For Adams, turnout in the mayoral election, which took place in 2021, was 23% of eligible voters. By contrast, almost 60% of New York voters voted in the 2020 presidential election. Robinson's got my attention. I'll keep my eye out for any national moves he makes. But by my count, at the moment anyway, there's something like a thousand people who are eligible to vote for him in the entire country. And Horsford doesn't appear to have won his elections particularly handily and actually lost once as an incumbent. Also, his behavior with Reed's staffer sort of reinforces my policy of avoiding voting for cishet men whenever possible. Not that I'm planning on moving to or ever really being in Vegas at all, so that's not really a concern for his political future. If I was a disengaged voter... I'm not sure I'd feel less motivated to engage with the process if I was unlucky enough to somehow be listening to this stupid podcast 
of the mayors. Anyway, quick recap on what the mayor was up to between July 21st, 2023, when this episode, when the episode before this one was released, and the release of this episode on July 31st. God, the release schedule of this podcast is so strange. We'll go weeks at a time without doing one, and then it's two in ten days. It's just so unlike the mayor to be erratic. Anyway, uh, to do this, I lean heavily on the reporting of two fantastic New York City outlets, The City and Hellgate both of which I support financially, I encourage you to do so as well. Links to their websites are in the show notes. The city's right to shelter law, which is exactly what it sounds like, failed to compel the city to find shelter for people requesting it. At the main intake for migrants arriving to the city, the Roosevelt Hotel, many found themselves sleeping on the street without its AC or bathrooms overnight. Adams blamed the number of migrants and not the weird contractor DocGo, which the city had been using for COVID testing services before that in the in the 2010s. It was a private ambulance and urgent care company called Ambulens. Again, with the Zs and lack of vowels, is that how you get a contract with the city? Anyway, it was awarded the migrant care contract without a bidding process. It's a $432 million contract, and apparently that didn't buy the logistical ability to process a few dozen migrant arrivals. So, for at least one night, the city was in violation of a basic human right. At an outdoor press conference given by the mayor, a woman walking by yelled, Fuck you, asshole. You're fucking with homeless people, you dick. To which the mayor responded to the assembled press, quote, she said, I'm messing with homeless people. You know that? One should be happy if someone wants to make love to them. End quote. What? There's all kinds of things that one can immediately say about how inappropriate, kind of uncomfortable, potentially sexist, and obviously gross that is to say, but also just what? At a different press conference, the mayor said something that went relatively uncommented upon. Quote, from monkeypox to COVID to asylum seekers, this is a moment where leadership matters. It goes by fast, but two of those things are viruses that kill people, and one of those things is people. And if one were inclined to be uncharitable to the mayor, one could note that it may reveal something about him that's not great that he did that. And that certainly there's a very dark history of relating refugee populations to viruses and vermin. If you like this, if you thought it was interesting and you want to hear more, the best way to make sure you do so is to hit subscribe on whatever app you're using to hear my voice. The best way to let other people know about it is to tell a friend or an enemy. Um, but don't take a lot of time to rate or review this on like some website where they're just going to steal your information. That's time you could be spending telling somebody like a friend or I don't know, you got a bunch of leftovers, right? Make some, make some vegetable stock. That'd be cool. Then you'll have soup. Soup's delicious. Okay. Transcripts of the show are available at stuffstuffcastcast.wixsite.com slash stufftranscripts. I'd love to hear from you. You can email me at stuffstuffcastcast at gmail.com. My thanks, as always, to John Coyne, my uh, friend, who has been extremely helpful with his feedback on, um, on this project. Um, 
and really helped make it what it is. And I will see you next time.